I making sense right now? The process. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> think, no, the process. I, think, I think it's totally, it's, and I totally just lost my train of thought. I was going to say something <laughs> really important, you guys. <laughs> Is it because I yelled? I'm sorry. Hey, that's my job. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Rachel. I am a mother of one with a little girl on the way and my Montessori training is an infant toddler ages birth to three years old. I am here with Megan, mother of two, who has a Montessori training in lower elementary, which is ages six through nine, and Laura, mother of one with her training in lower elementary and upper elementary, ages six through 12. Let's start by catching up. What has everyone been up to this week? Megan? What I've been up to is, <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> what have I been up to? <laughs> you guys, this you is have two kids, so you have to be really busy. I have two kids. I don't do <laughs> oh, anything. Oh, you have a babysitter. You had a babysitter yeah. today? I did. I had a babysitter, um, which was really the first babysitter that we've ever had, um, which is, was a exciting thing like she came and she just like washed my kids <laughs> and I could just like do that's, that's exactly what they say <laughs> and I could just do things I fought it so hard for so long that I just like didn't need anyone and I didn't need any help and I'm just here to say that I do need help and now <laughs> and now I have like the ability to contemplate you know zero and what it means <laughs> the complexities of the number zero and the concept of that because I have all this free time and free mental space because I have we have a babysitter she only comes twice a week but it's very exciting how was it was were they were they good about it were they cool or were they like stranger danger mommy no, no. they were awesome they just like were like oh, okay we're hanging out with this person now I mean she's really sweet <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I was just in the other room and yeah, they did. They did awesome. So and that's what's new with me. Super exciting things over here. We had a one new person come into our house for the first time in <laughs> two years. <laughs> exciting that's stuff. You're all on the edge momentous. of your seat. <laughs> you're really, you're really downplaying that, but that is pretty momentous it is. stuff right there. Yeah. I mean, we still haven't done it. So. Well, you can't have her. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find my own. Actually, okay, I've had a babysitter, but like at 7.30 on a Saturday night once my child's in bed, like not, yeah, yeah like that yeah. kind of babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. So we did the whole like one night and had a babysitter who mostly took over like at bedtime. But then remember we did that weekend away. Yeah. And had, oh, yeah. But also for babysitter, it was my former co-teacher slash like extremely close friend who was the only reason that I was able to do it. I still don't know if I could like hire somebody off the streets into my home. <laughs> I mean, that's some like serious professional help. Oh my God. That's to have like two trained teachers. <laughs> exactly. You're in better hands now than you were with me, child. Good luck and Godspeed. Um, yeah. Rachel, what have you been up to this week? It was my little one's birthday today, guys. These two. Happy birthday. <laughs> I, just emotions. Ah. I know. I like made this beautiful video last night and worked so hard and 
Garrett comes in the bedroom and I'm literally like ball, like legit bawling. <laughs> like as I've watched this thing a thousand times and the lyrics are like, it only gets better. And I'm like, life has only gotten better with him. And, la, la, la. and then I was like, we're going to ruin it. We're having another baby. And I just went on this big rant, you know, which I know I'm not ruining it. Um, I have a sister and it's the best thing ever, but it just feels so it good feel right that now. Way. It does. It feels he, that he, way. He knows nothing but me and us and daddy and yeah, it's going to be. It's a huge change. It's going to be big. Thank God I still have um, like, I don't even know how many months now I'm doing. my. I still have a few months <laughs> to get my crap together. But <laughs> you guys, I don't know. But it was, it's bittersweet. You know, it's bittersweet. He's grown so much when you look back. I was looking back like a year ago today. He wasn't even walking last year at this time. Yeah. And now he's running so um it's fun i love birthdays yeah your emotions about it this morning started kicking off mine because you know if it's if it's his birthday then we're three yeah. days from our birthday over here i totally here, so. remember texting you when i woke up on this day a year ago or two years ago duh, two years old <laughs> two years ago <laughs> and my water broke and i was like oh my gosh i think it's happening and you were like wait really and i was like yeah and it happened I know. and then it happened gone. for you so megan went yeah a few megan days was before first. you and it was early on the early side and then you went and you were early you were like literally the day that he was fully cooked and we were like, what? <laughs> and then three days later, same thing happened to me, which was all a surprise for all of us because we were all early and everybody tells you with your first baby, you never, never go early. early. You will be late. They will go late. You'll be late. You'll be induced. Like, you know, get comfortable. You're going to be pregnant forever. And then boom, boom, boom. One, two, three, all within a two week span. These three babies arrived. So yeah, two whole years ago. Two whole years of our friendship. I mean, we've been friends before that, but like we've, I know, but that's when like it, it happens. That's when all of a sudden you're, you're bonded as if you've been to battle together. Where we texted at 2 a.m. in the morning, like who's awake, who's nursing, who's still, who's still wearing diapers. Because mine don't. (laughs) (laughs) True fact. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it was. And it's crazy how that feels like a lifetime ago, but also like. Mm, eight months max you know max that's crazy it is anyway guess we should take a break yeah we'll be back after this break Montessori services provides products for Montessori teachers and schools their focus is the primary classroom and practical life is their specialty though the products they offer are in all curriculum areas four small hands offers products that support the Montessori education at home child-sized cooking, cleaning, woodworking, and yard and garden are unique offerings they provide. They also have a wide range of educational games and toys. If you are looking for practical life materials for your home, go to the link in our Instagram bio to visit Montessori Services and Four Small Hands to shop today. Okay, welcome back. Today, we are talking about rewards and punishments. All right, so by definition, the word reward in a dictionary means something that is given for some service or attainment. And punishment, by definition, is suffering, pain, or loss that serves as retribution. All right, so now we have officially defined the terms. So what did Dr. Montessori think? Dr. Montessori, through her observations of children, found that punishment and rewards were not effective for motivating children. Okay, so you can find a little bit more about this in her book, The Discovery of the Child, where she says, like others, I had believed that it was necessary to encourage a child by means of some exterior reward that would flatter his baser sentiments in order to foster in him a spirit of work and of peace. And I was astonished when I learned that a child who's permitted to educate himself really gives up these lower instincts. I then urged the teachers to cease handing out the ordinary prizes and punishments, which were no longer suited to our children, and to confine themselves to directing them gently in their work. 
Okay. So Dr. Montessori super smart, spoke <laughs> how many languages? I don't even know. That might've been translated from Italian. So it's like even that much more sort of ethereal. <laughs> yeah. But also not super attainable. So I want this episode, we want to talk about like, what does she mean by that? What does she mean by don't reward them and don't punish them? I feel like that opens up the floor for just total chaos and also cruelty maybe by the lack of reward and then chaos from the lack of punishment. And it's just very disorienting and very much against what most of us grew up with and experienced in life. So it's confusing when parents hear that a Montessori classroom doesn't have grades, doesn't give detention, um, or when a, when a teacher asks that parents don't praise their children or punish them, at least in the ways that we, you know, consider typically to be punishment. So our job here is to demystify these concepts. So I'm going to kick it off to, well, who wants to, who wants to jump in first and talk about like, what do we mean when we say we don't praise a kid? What do we mean when we say we don't give them rewards for doing their work? Let's focus on that first, the praise and reward part. Who wants to talk about that a little bit more? I feel like this is can, like you said, it can be a really confusing topic. And I know that for a lot of parents, and this was said to me, I don't know if I've already shared this, but when I decided to be a Montessori teacher, my mom was like, oh, that's cool that kids can do whatever they want. And I think when you say, okay, we're not going to praise them, we're not going to punish them, we're not going to give them rewards, it's like, okay, well, then what are you what going are to you do? What are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. what do you do? Yeah. <clears throat> and so when we're talking about praise, we're, we're focusing on a completed task or behavior as the end goal. So we're focusing on that end thing that's been finished or accomplished. And so we're when we're talking about not praising, we're not saying we're not going to encourage our children, that we're not going to affirm them. You know, we're not just these robots, but that we're not trying to put all of the emphasis on finishing that task. It's about the process and the journey and the effort that's being placed into that task or goal, if that makes so, sense. Give us an example, like pick a task that a child would be doing that ordinarily a parent or even teacher's instinct is to be like, oh my gosh, good job. Good job. I love this. Whatever, you know, like give me, give me a, give me a real example. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many, I don't know about you both, but I, like, if you start thinking about how many times you say good job, it's like, especially as a parent, it's all the time. Um, but I, if I think about like for a child, say they are, they're painting, right? And they bring you the, their piece of art and you say, good job. And I, and I do want to say like, it's not, you're not like the worst parent in the world yeah, if, you're saying, bad thing if you're saying good job. not a bad thing if you're saying good job. Yeah. You're like, it's, there are people who do far worse than say good job there to your child. There are worse things to say to your child. Yeah. Good job, buddy. Yeah. You know? and, and like we're, we're hyper-focusing on this because it's the topic of the week. today's yeah. Yeah. podcast episode. But like I do want to say before we like even go any further, like if, if you want to say good job or you do say good job, like you're still a good parent or caregiver or, or whoever you are, yeah. teacher. And, and that's fine, but we're just kind of shedding some light maybe on alternatives and different ways to maybe approach this topic or even just like shed some light on it. I would, yeah, just to shed light on why would you even consider alternative ways? So mm -hmm. what you're trying to get at, so like, let's, again, with your example of a painting or a kid creates a piece of art, right? I can't tell you how many students have come to me and shown me their art to be like, is it good? Do you like it? And so that, again, they have already accidentally internalized in their little brains that the point of making the art was for it to be good and pleasing to other people for, for me to like it. She made that art for me to tell her there, that I... That, that's the point right there. And the art is not for you. It's their work. It's theirs. So we want them to be proud of what they did, not trying to 
show us, oh, do you like this? Do, do you like what I'm doing? We want them to have the ownership of this is mine and I did it and I feel super proud no matter what it looks like and no matter who else likes it, I'm proud of my work. Right. And to Megan's point, the final product shouldn't even be what they're the most proud of. You know, the idea is that they're, they come to process. learn to be proud of the process of the fact that they sat and they, you know, painstakingly chose what colors they're going to do. And they put all that effort into the blades of grass. And so instead of good job, it's pretty, I like it. Like you can turn to things like, wow, you, you put a lot of detail into your grass or I, you know, you picked so many different colors, you know, you can ask them about it. Like, what is this over here? Why did you pick this over here? And just kind of focus, like Megan was trying to say on the process, because that then also is helping kind of internalize, like, it's good for me to have the stamina to like stick with it. It's good for me to try these things. It's good for me to, you know, just, am I making sense right now? The process. No, I think think it's totally, it's, and I totally just lost my train of thought. I was going to say something really important, you guys. Um, Is it because I yelled? I'm sorry. Hey, that's my job. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I think it's um like oh, open-ended. There you go. That's what I was going to say. It's making the conversation more open-ended, allowing them to share what the process was like or what it is they drew. Like, wow, look what you drew. What is that? Can you tell mommy what you drew? And then like, oh, it's a cow. Oh my gosh, it's a cow. Where does it live? And then they, oh, this is the farm. I mean, you could, then you're having a 10 minute conversation about this little bitty piece of art that your toddler did or your elementary student did or child did, whatever. So I think um, it also leads the conversation to be open it. Of course, a toddler is not going to have as much to say as that elementary student or upper elementary student, but um, it opens to conversation, even to your little toddler also. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to boil down praise, punishment, rewards, all of it down to what is your purpose? So if we're talking specifically about praise right now, what is the purpose of that praise? And there, there are different purposes, honestly, a lot of the time, sometimes it's manipulation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to tell you when you're behaving the way that I want you to behave, I'm going to praise you so that you do that again. More. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's it. So like, it might be a tool to correct, correct behavior. Is it so that you want to, you know, make a child feel better about themselves. You know, you want to like provide them with that positive reinforcement. Um, you know, you're, you're really good at jumping. Good job because I want you to feel good about yourself. So I do think it's important to talk about the intention behind it because there, there are honestly a lot of different reasons that we praise our children, And I think it probably goes back to, which we've talked about before, um, how we were raised and how we were praised growing up and what we're kind of used to with that too. Um, I mean, I know when I was, this was, this is just recently in my life because I just recently toilet trained, um, my little one, but like I totally got candy and M&Ms and like all the things when I use the toilet and yeah. I didn't do that with Finley. I totally was like, it's your job to use the bathroom. If your body's ready, then you can go. And there was no like, I mean, yes, I'm, I, when he pooped or peed and he was proud of it though. Like he'll get in the toilet. He'll still step down from the toilet. Wow, poop, bye poop. <laughs> and he's so yeah. proud. I'm like, look at that. I mean, and I don't hardly say anything like, you know, oh, yep. Okay. You pooped. You did your work. Um, Cause it's natural to use the toilet. Like I, I don't feel like, yeah, he's doing a good job, but it's just, it's a normal natural habit. We all do. He doesn't need to be right. like 
holy cow, you're using doesn't need to be yeah, rewarded you don't need for doing. M&Ms. I don't get M Ms for yeah. using the toilet app. <laughs> exactly, you don't need to be rewarded for something that you are expected to do within society. So that now you're we're bridging now from the praise of like, good job, I love that you're you're doing that thing right. That's mommy likes when you do that. That praise, keep moving doing on it. to yeah. right, yeah. do that more. Um, moving from that to which again, Megan has a really important point on thinking about like, where's the praise coming from? What are you trying to achieve? And of course, if it's trying to make a kid, you know, feel better or more confident, that's a really great, you know, place to be coming from. Um, but now what Rachel is talking about is moving into the idea of rewards and Montessori and, you know, Dr. Montessori specifically says in that quote, I had teachers stop giving them these prizes, ordinary prizes for things, right? Like you, as a kid, I remember like getting a sticker or actually mm-hmm. I had several different teachers worth of like years in a row had a prize box in the closet that on Friday you got to choose something from if you like had yep. every star on your chart on the closet or, you know, like you did all the things you they were supposed to do. Do. Card all week. Yeah. yeah. So I understand that whole process. That's what I was raised in. It was kind of amazing to hear this take on it of you shouldn't have to reward a child for doing something that they were expected to do. And when you do that, you actually now open the door and set the precedent that like you will get something for everything that you do that's good or right, which is exhausting for you as a parent to now have to uphold that the kid mm-hmm. comes to expect, okay, I'll, I'll make my bed, I'll clean my room, I'll clean up that mess that I just made. What do I get for it? And that's not how life works. That's not how society works. I made my bed, I cleaned up everybody else's mess. I did that thing that I was supposed to do. What did I get for it? You know, like no one's going to come give me a cookie or a sticker or a a special Lego toy because I literally like stopped beating my brother about the head when you told me to like, that's these things that kids are getting rewards for are not rewardable things. They're not required to be rewarded. And the truth about kids is that if you can help them find the joy in the fact that they completed a task because they were able to, And they're contributing members of their family and just sort of getting back to all the reasons that we create the prepared environment and have practical life and set up all these things so that they at an early age learn to complete these tasks on their own without any expectation of something being given to them. If they can, if you can allow them to build that intrinsic motivation to do the right thing then you're going to save everybody a lot of trouble. Yourself, the trouble of coming up with rewards constantly and reward systems and them, the trouble of getting like out of your house someday and realizing, oh, wow, the real world doesn't give two craps if I do what I was supposed to do. Nobody is going to reward me. I have to find that praise within myself. Yeah, I mean, and what a gift, you know? I feel like there's so... So I've I've heard some people say like, why take a child's childhood away? Like, why are you treating them as if they're adults? Mm-hmm. Um, and to that, I just want to say again, that this is a gift. Having confidence and joy in the things that you do every day is a gift because no one, like you said, no one's going to tell you good job for living your life <laughs> ever. <laughs> and if you can wake up and feel proud and feel confident and love yourself and love the things that you're accomplishing and feel like you're, what's the word? Not, not giving, <laughs> providing, contributing. contributing, contributing. If you feel like you're contributing to your community, that that is the most beautiful gift that you can have because I think if you could draw the same parallel, like why is this important of someone who has confidence and someone who doesn't, let's say like in their appearance, someone who doesn't will go through life feeling like they need to be validated at all times. Someone needs to tell them that they're beautiful, tell them that they're thin, tell them that they are valued versus someone who feels that way already inside. And so that's kind of what we're talking about, why this, this really actually is very important. And so, like I said, I don't, I don't want anyone to be 
beating themselves up as like, oh, if I say good job to my kid that they're never going to like have confidence. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you know, that's, that's not definitely what we're saying. No, <laughs> no. No, no. What would you say to those people who maybe have some guilt or say feel like everything that is brought to them in the Montessori world, you know, they're scrolling through Instagram or they're listening to this podcast and they just feel like, God, am I like doing nothing right? So is, I'm yeah. saying good job to my yeah, kid yeah. and I'm telling them that they're amazing. Am I a bad yeah, parent? I do think there's a lot of that kind of like, I don't know if it's clickbait to get you to just go to that account and like interact with it. But I continually scroll past things that's like some kind of like beautiful text across like a gorgeous picture of a child splashing in a puddle. And it says like, we don't say good job. And that's all it says. And it's like, I can imagine how many people click on that to be like, well, why? Like you're, what do you say? And like Megan said, you're taking away their joy, their childhood. Like you should, should praise your kid if they do a good job, like let them know they're doing a good job. And I get that. I think that's really deceiving because I think what that isn't telling you is there are other things you can say to give them that intrinsic motivation. So first of all, I say good job like accidentally 800 times a day to my students, to my child. What I try to do a lot with my child um, is, and my kids in class, is when she brings me a thing or she completes a task and she looks to me for any kind of um, acknowledgement, <laughs> I will, I try to catch myself and like at least 50% of the time, instead of saying, hey, good job, I say, you did it. And at this point now, without needing anything, she'll complete a task or help with a thing and look to me and go, I did it. Yeah. And the joy, like pure, unadulterated joy pouring out of her and pride in her face that she did it, whatever it is, she completed the thing, even if she did it haphazardly and it took 15 tries. When she gets to that moment of feeling like I did that thing myself, I took care of that thing. I completed that goal. I walked that balance beam all alone, whatever it is. She is so joyous. And it was not from me saying good job. It was from her recognizing that she did that thing. So we're certainly not taking away joy. But to answer your question about, so what do I tell these people? You're not doing anything wrong when you see, we don't say good job or, oh God, the one I really love is we don't tell our kids no. And we have to move on to the punishment one shortly after this, I think. Yes, yes. Um, that is infuriating to see because it is creating this idea that if you do that, you are some kind of monster. There's also though the other half of people who are seeing that and blowing up with rage that you're creating snowflake children then who just run wild and go unchecked and can't handle real life because you never told them no. And guess what? The world is tough and it's going to tell them no. So you better punish them now to get them ready for the world. And it's just like, oh my God, stop, stop. Stop, stop, stop. So I think I, think I really quick to wrap up this before we go into punishment. I think I, I know I feel like I say this every episode, but it's like changing the language of how you're saying it. Like we're we're still in a way somewhat praising our child because they still feel proud and like they're acknowledged and um they they did whatever they're proud of, you know. Um like she's saying she I did it or, you know. That sort of thing. So it's like, I'm still acknowledging that in a way. I'm not just like not saying anything or just staring at them when they show me what they did. I'm still responding. So I'm still starting a conversation to make them feel like they're being acknowledged, make them feel like they, they are, they've done something, but I want them to take the, the child to take the initiative to feel proud of the process and the work they've done on their own, not proud because mommy said I did it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, don't know. I feel like I just what, had to say that. Like, like I said at the beginning, like we're boiling it down to like the the intention behind this. I just want to like kind of encapsulate all of this by saying, however you choose to do this, we're going to tell you what Maria Montessori said. What kind of we are trying to practice in our own lives. But however you choose to do this, if you can make your praise and re and rewards or encouragement or whatever it is you're going to call it, child-centered, we're focusing on them, not how it makes you feel. We're not judging. There are no conditions or contingencies. Like if you finish it, you did a good job. If it's perfect, it's good. There, so we're not. There's no judgment there, and 
and that we are focusing on the process and the effort mm-hmm. in the middle versus the end. Yep. So however you choose to do that, that's kind of the baseline of what and the and the underneath of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really nice recap yep. summary of the whole kind of really big and mm-hmm. overwhelming concept. Punishment. I I hate when everybody's like Montessorians don't they don't have consequences. There's no punishment. Da, 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 da. Uh, that just makes me like sad because they don't know clearly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's why I wanted to have the definition of punishment because I feel like we can get so lost in the weeds about this. Mm-hmm. Punishment, suffering, pain, or loss that serves as retribution. So we are trying to inflict pain to correct a behavior. Like that is, I'm not saying that that is what anyone is doing. I'm saying that that's actual definition of what it is. So we're saying we don't want to do that. No. That definition right there, that's not what we're trying to do. So what would you both say um, to people who say, Rachel said, that there are no consequences, that there's no punishment, there's no discipline Freedom, freedom within a framework. I always like start with that. I feel like, and that sounds super like educational and Montessorian, <laughs> um, but Laura, go. But I just <laughs> freedom within a framework. <laughs> there we just go, Laura. Laura. Laura, just go. <laughs> so yeah, it exists. I always go back to that too, Rachel, because so the punishment and consequence are two different things. Okay. And in the Montessori philosophy, we are trading, correcting a behavior with a punishment, because again, the literal definition of that is to inflict pain. And that's not even always necessarily blatantly physical pain, right? We, we, I, I did grow up with physical punishment in my childhood and a Mm -hmm. lot of people I know did. And it was, you know, a generational thing. And some people do still use that. So in that case, you are intentionally trading pain for like a life lesson. Um, And then there's also though the emotional pain of doing things like, and this is a super hot button topic, the idea of sending someone to a timeout is literally, even if it's subconsciously, you are telling them, I want you away from us. You are to be removed from the family unit. You are to go like dwell and stew in what you've done until you feel sorry and you are filled with remorse. And again, this is pain, guys. This isn't learning anything. And if you think that you learned something from that in your childhood, you are mistaken. You were told that you learned a lesson. All you learned was that when you need someone the most is when you are going to be completely alone (laughs) in the world. And by you, I mean me as well. I am totally also in that boat. Okay. Um, I am not judging you. It is a party toxic (laughs) parenting traits that have just been rampant forever and ever because that's all we knew. But there is now like a couple recent decades worth of research to suggest that not only is that not the best way to do it, it's actually a really, really bad way to do it. So consequences, not punishments, not Mm -hmm. the same thing, a consequence. And in the Montessori world, our whole thing is a natural consequence is something that happens as a result of an action, good or bad. There are good consequences. There are bad consequences. So, um, if we're talking about inappropriate behavior specifically, there is always going to be some kind of realistic consequence that, you know, just is the kind of like a byproduct of the choice that you made. It's generally not going to be the most pleasant, favorable thing to the child. So these are those natural consequences of like, stuff doesn't go away, stuff, things don't clean themselves up. You know, like, I remember my former co-teacher sharing the story of her son was at at a summer camp and he and his buddy got a Sharpie and they were like, you know, first, second grade, I don't know. And they, but they wrote all over the headboards of the bunk beds in their Sharpie. And when she went to go pick them up, the counselor was like, 
this thing happened, like kind of disappointed. And she was like, excuse me, what? And that kid then hung out for the rest of the evening while everybody else went home and scrubbed down the bunk beds with soap and water. Because if you're going to deface this property, you're going to make it right. And that is not what he wanted to be doing on his Saturday night. He wanted to, he was supposed to have a play date. Like there were all these things that he was missing out on because he had this natural, real consequence. He was not hit. He was not belittled. He was not in timeout. He had to make right the wrong that he chose to do. That's Montessori to me. Yeah. I feel like another word, like if you're still kind of unsure about like natural consequence, what does that necessarily mean? Logical, a logical (laughs) consequence. Um, Because if you think about it, even just in our daily lives, we don't get punished when we don't do things. Like if I wake up late, you know, if I, if I press snooze on my alarm and I get to work late, I, you know, nobody comes and like puts me in timeout or like (laughs) hits me or uh, even yells at me. It's like, if I, if I, if I don't do something, something logical will happen. Like if I leave to work later, (laughs) exactly. Something won't get done. And so I, if, if we're going to talk about maybe the opposite. So Laura gave us an example of how to use a natural consequence or a logical consequence. I would say, okay, this is what maybe not a logical or natural consequence looks like. Say your child hits their sister. So you take away their iPad. There is no connection. <laughs> between those two things. Right. And so that's very confusing for a child. It's like, okay, when I when I do something and I behave in a certain way, I can make no connection or maybe think about what will happen because they're just kind of throwing out all these emotional punishments at me that that don't there's no logical sense to those things. So what we try to do is to create a consequence that makes sense. So what are your thoughts on this, Rachel? So um, I think too, I want to speak to like toddler or younger age because it's a lot easier, I think, to think of a natural consequence when they're like a little bit older, even though they can totally still a logical and natural consequence happens in a toddler classroom and at my house every day. But um, I think sometimes it's harder and timeout is a much kind of bigger thing with a toddler. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of parents, I feel like it's because they just don't know what else to do. Yeah, exactly. You sit in timeout because, you know, whatever. So like, for example, in my classroom, um, of course, I don't have a timeout, but I have like a calm body area in my classroom. It's always available to anybody. So as far as time out goes, I mean, like Megan said, it's that your child's not going to be, especially a young child, is not going to be able to make the connection of you just put me in a corner because why? <laughs> like they they don't have that understanding. They can't grasp that concept. It's not it. it they're just going to be sitting there. So a, it, a lot of times it's really for younger children, um, you can, and you can reinforce this like calm body area, just have like a cozy corner in your home and let's say, okay, something goes wrong. They're having a huge temper tantrum. Maybe you're frustrated and you use the words of, I need to walk away and calm my body. It looks like you're feeling frustrated. Do you need to calm your body? And this is like a whole process of starting. This is not just going to happen like, boop okay, all of a sudden they're going to go to their calm body circle or area. Like this is like a process of starting something new in your household more than likely if you haven't been doing this um, to then have a place where, and they're not, you're not telling them to sit there. You're not making them sit there for five minutes with their nose on the wall. Like this is them calming their body. Hey, hey, and whenever you're ready, come back and join me. Like you don't have to stay, you don't even have to go there. But it's available for you when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling sad, if you're feeling angry. <laughs> Is this making any sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's an alternate way <laughs> it's to an be alternate like way. you, yeah. but also to involve the child in the understanding and the decision of I need to calm down right now. I'm going to make a choice for my body that 
will help me de-escalate. So like, let's say you've got the toddler sister who just smacked her baby brother right in the mouth and you need to separate them now. This is a time where I feel like a lot of parents would be like, no, we don't hit. You hit, you hurt him. Look what you did. He's crying. You hurt him. Go sit in timeout. And just you would need to be sequestered and, and punished for doing something inappropriate. So what would that look like in your house? You know, let's say you know, toddler boy, you're about to have a baby girl. He hits sister. What is, what is your language? What do you do? Ouch, ouch, that hurt. Do you see? Look at her face. She's crying. She's feeling sad. That hurt her body. Can you show me a gentle touch? And if they don't know what a gentle touch is, you take their hand and rub so ever softly on your body to show them that gentle touch. And then I would give him the option would you like to would you like to stay with mommy and calm our body here or or do you need to walk away and calm your body somewhere else and then if he's not able to calm his body with me then i'm going to say i have to help move your body to keep baby sister safe or to keep mommy safe or your body safe and then i would move him to a safer location um because sometimes it's not a choice like that if that's putting baby sister in danger then it, it's not a choice for him to stay there if he's going to keep tantruming or hitting or kicking or not or refusing to give a gentle touch. Then he does have to be removed. There's a consequence for that. He has to be removed from that situation and he does have to calm his body down. But if he's not ready to be in the calm body place by himself, then I'm going to be with him, talking him through it. I, I see that you're frustrated. I see that you're sad. I'm, I'm sorry you're feeling frustrated and sad. And then also reminding it hurts when you hit sister. Ouch. That hurt her body. And kind of going through this whole sports casting of what happened. Okay. You're feeling sad. And also when things like this are happening, it's super, super important to not like ramp up with them. And I know Mm -hmm. it's so hard to do because I do it as a parent all the time when I'm on my last leg. I'm like, I'm just as frustrated as he is. But when you're more frustrated, they can sense that frustration and they're going to get more frustrated too. So I think it's important to really try for you as the parent, as the adult, as the caregiver to take those deep breaths also and calm your body in that situation because that's going to help calm them down on the other side. I think it's important to say, based on what you've been saying, both of you, is that there there are consequences. There are boundaries totally. that will not be crossed. So we're not trying to create this space where you can do whatever you want and oh, okay, that's how you wanna that's how you wanna behave. Which I feel like often why is my voice? <laughs> you just became like a Fifty-nine-year-old chain smoker. Which um, I feel like often parents don't know. <laughs> where did I? Where did I end up? Um, it's not just that you can that you'd be like, oh, this is how you want to handle that. Great, and you just kind of let them run the right. show. We're not. Yeah, we're no, not no, letting no. them. We're not letting them the run the show. Here. No, right. No. We are creating boundaries that are that that cannot be broken and keeping ourselves in check. So keeping that emotion from us out of it and allowing them to navigate this space and figure out where the boundaries are and also realizing that they're children, they're <laughs> figuring it out, they're learning, they're not doing it to be bad, they're not doing it to hurt you, they're not doing it to hurt their siblings. They are figuring out where the boundaries are mm-hmm. and we have to hold them tight so that they understand where they are. That's how we show our love to them is by making it make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, that's confusing and honestly going to lead to probably some bigger, more difficult behaviors. I know that My toddler, she has tantrums just like every toddler in the whole world does. But I will say that when I say no, she knows I mean it and she might cry and she might kick and she might be upset. But the time that that tantrum lasts is really short because it's like, okay, well, she said no. (laughs) There's no, there's no negotiating. There's no wiggling her way out of it. If I cry long enough, it's going to change the rules or what the rules are. The consequences are what the consequences are. And 
and that makes sense to her and that helps her to navigate her new world because she's new. They've mm-hmm. been on the earth for not a super long time. Not at all. Yeah. And so to say that like we need to bring the hammer down and this is how it's going to be in the future, which I have had this conversation before and I did have to say because um, the conversation was kind of like this isn't how – they would be treated as an adult. Someone's not going to come up to them and be like, ouch, that hurt your your sister. This is how you touch them. Like <laughs> nobody's going to do that. Like if you hit someone in the world, you're going to like go to jail. That's how, you know, for assault, that's what happens. And I just want to remind anyone who's having that thought that we are treating our children in a developmentally appropriate way. Yeah. This is developmentally appropriate for a child. If you're 40 and you punch someone because they cut you off in the parking lot, like you at that point, you know better. So we're not treating children as if they're 40 year old men (laughs) punching people in the parking lot. But we are. And that's our sound clip for for this week. We're not treating our children like 40 year old men punching people in the parking lot. (laughs) Tune in. This is real life, guys. Real life stuff happening here. If I put that clip in, they're going to be like, I literally have no idea what that conversation is. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Yeah. So th- that's my whole, that's my whole thing is basically that we're, we're treating them in a way that they can conceptualize at the developmental place that they're at right now. Which again, for young children, which is where we are all at personally, it like, Rachel said, there's not even, they actually still have not even fully like formed that empathy, that ability to be like, oh, that must be how that person feels when I do this thing. It is not a conscious no. choice. That's why to I'm do saying the the, what I'm saying, because I'm helping set it up. So then they're learning through right. that you're, and you're, it will happen over time. You're coaching right. and them I, through the ability you... to recognize, oh, my actions affect other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before we, I mean, just because this is, I think, a good I understand what you're doing, Rachel, and I think that uh, there's a lot to it. So maybe in a short way, because I know we're running out of time, but kind of why are you labeling the way that sister's face looks? Why are you showing him that touch? A gentle touch. Um, yeah. So why are you doing those things so that someone's not like, oh, he, she's just, you know, Padding this like cushy little situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I think developmentally, like you shared, Megan, that's like key. So I'm speaking to where my child is developmentally. He, I mean, no, empathy is not happening. He doesn't understand. Like right now, he wants what he wants. It's me, me, me. They're in this egocentric world. So, like, of course, if, you know, something happens with baby sister, he wants me to do this or that um (laughs) sorry something happened outside of my closet (laughs) Um, um it's I'm helping set set it up in the way for him to like when you look at somebody's face typically even as an adult if you look at somebody's face you're able to see like the feelings frustration mad sad you know you see something Typically, somebody, when they're showing some kind of, like, angry emotion or sad emotion, there's something there you see. So, I'm um, setting them up to already start to recognize that at a young age so that they are able to then, as an elementary student, maybe look at somebody and say, oh, you're crying. Are you feeling sad? And making You're that saying connection. at that age, say at that toddler age, that they haven't fully formed the ability to recognize facial expression yeah not at all not at all um so we're helping with that so that by the time they are in elementary school they have that ability to recognize and look at the facial expression to help them navigate that situation yeah and i love that you're saying like what to do versus what not to do right with the gentle touch that's what's so important about the gentle touch is you are reinforcing what you are expected to do you are, you may touch the baby. This is how we touch the baby. Yeah, and you're yeah. g- leaving it on that positive note by having them do it and sort of be like, oh, right, right. This is what, this is what I'm allowed to do. Um, but that you even said, mentioned that Laura with an older child, you said you can work now. You can work during playtime. Which one would you like to choose? So you not only are, and same thing with, uh, Rachel's um, example. So no matter how old your child is, there are kind of these 
things that you can do that are kind of baseline saying you can offer a choice and you can offer an alternative behavior. Totally. Um, I think that um, just to get back to the showing him what you would expect him to do, it's you have to kind of put that positive spin on instead of you're not going to do this, don't do this. You're saying this is what you do. We do this. We do this. And what you said was, look, when you hit baby sister, she's sad. It hurt her. So you didn't say, don't hit her. No, 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 no. Don't hit, don't hit. Because science has actually even shown that like it has the opposite effect on a toddler brain and an adult brain as well. When someone says no to this or don't do that, your subconscious you only takes that. away is yeah. whatever the thing is you weren't supposed to be doing. So when you say, no, 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 don't hit, I guarantee you the next thing your toddler's going to do is look you straight in the eye and smack okay. that baby in the face. And then now you are in the red zone. You are enraged. You just deliberately disobeyed me. I could not have been more clear. I know you understand my words. So to Megan's point, you take a big breath, you chill yourself out for a minute because now you are going to for sure be in a power struggle, which is the opposite of effective parenting through taking some big, deep breaths, calming yourself down and understanding the importance of approaching the situation that way and not the way that you're inclined to and we're raised to do because... Um, to Megan's point, you will most likely just start to see an evolution of worse and worse behavior. Yep. And so back to the accounts that are saying, we don't tell our kids, no, that's what you should be taking out of it. That's what they should be saying to you is that we don't scream no, 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 no to everything because A, they hear the opposite of what's coming out of your mouth. B is that it desensitizes them then to the word no. So now when they are actually in danger running towards a street with traffic in it and you're screaming, no, 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 they're giggling because you do that when they, you know, tip tip the milk cup too far. You have the same reaction. So like if you reserve the real nose for when you really need it, then you will get a better reaction out of it. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know I have so much more to say about this, this is, yeah, but this we do like we have run out of time. Um, I, well, so I was just talking to my husband about this and I, I was saying that I, when we do talk about no, um, like you said before, I, I guarantee you, and I, I would try this at home if you're listening, if you say no in front of a word, all that child hears is that word mm-hmm. or don't. No and, running. And like you said, there's been studies run. of this where they don't hear the first no or don't. They don't hear the negative. They hear the positive. That's just how our brains work. Um, don't run. They hear run. Don't hit, run. hit. And I've even tried this on my child where I've heard myself say the negative and almost every single time she will do it anyway. And it, for me, my thought is, oh, I, I, I phrased it in a negative versus a positive, but I could see how, if you maybe don't know that, that you might feel like you're blatantly disobeying me. So I would say to try to flip it, we're not saying that like, we don't say no because we're trying to create like you said, these little snowflakes, we are trying to, you know, help our children behave in an appropriate way for society by offering language that is appropriate for their brains to comprehend. Yeah. Like we are scientifically getting what we want out of the situation in a more effective way. So it's not that I don't want you to do it. It's that I'm getting you to do it in a better way than just yelling. No, 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 don't. Because that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's a power struggle. Yeah. It's totally the end game. So say my, say my, say my toddler is running and I need her to walk. Uh, The end game isn't to let her do whatever she wants. The end game is to get her to walk. And the most appropriate way for me to do that instead of saying don't run is to say we use our walking feet, offering a positive alternative because she's two and doesn't know all all of the options. (laughs) I know all of the options and I'm going to provide them for her. Um, I really, really try to make sure that I don't use the word no again, unless I absolutely mean it. Or if I know that I can't hold that boundary, I don't even bother because I want my word to be gold Mm -hmm. for my children. And if I know that I'm going to give in, if they ask enough times, you know, if if it's a day that, you know, we woke up at 4am 
this this is a real story. We all woke <laughs> up at 4 a.m. because the baby woke us up all at 4 a.m. My toddler started asking to watch a movie at 6 a.m. And I had the choice. If I say no, that means no. Yep. It's for, yep. That, that's it. If I know, <laughs> okay, I'm tired. I woke up at 4. <laughs> if I know that I'm going to give in eventually, then I just say yes. Because I am trying to create an environment that my child knows where the boundaries are. And she knows that it doesn't matter how hard she pushes, they are what they are. And so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a misunderstanding. Like you said, when people are like, I don't say no. We try to use it in a way that makes sense. And I think that's this whole thing wrapped up is that we're trying to be logical and have our child's reality make sense to them so that they know how to interact in their daily life. Yeah. And to create children who are intrinsically motivated to do what they're supposed to do because that's what they're supposed to do. Not because someone's going to give them a treat for it or tell them that I love you more because you did what you were supposed to do. And also children who understand that their behaviors affect other people, including men primarily themselves and the future for themselves, because every action that you, you know, every action has a, a consequence, good or bad. And in the real world, again, when your parents aren't there to put you in timeout or spank you or take your tablet away or whatever the discipline is that you grew up with, when you're out there on your own, the consequence is going to be a natural, realistic, logical consequence of you drop the ball here and now you're going to have to work extra hard to pick it up here. You know, yep. like that's that's what we're aiming for. Not these snowflake children who don't, who can't handle being told no. Like, no, absolutely not. That is not what we're saying. We're saying that the whole point of this way of parenting and teaching, the point of all of this is to raise a kid who understands themselves, understands the society that they're in, understands their expectations within that society, understands how to take care of themselves in that society and understands how to take care of others and understands that should they neglect to do either of those things, there will be a consequence. But also you can always make a better choice tomorrow. That's another actually really important part of that whole consequence thing that I totally left out earlier. Any last thoughts? It's hard. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say real life. It's hard. I mean, it's hard. My yeah, you have toddler, to retrain yourself, my, retrain yeah, and, your language. And my toddler has bit me many times. So just know you're not the only one out there. <laughs> <laughs> Our children aren't perfect little angels. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Let's lighten things up and finish out the show with a segment called Confessions from the Wilds. Who wants to go first? Tell me something great. Uh, my confession is... <laughs> Love the way that this is starting already. Every week when we record, I record in my child's playroom closet with like three blankets on, <laughs> sitting on a Star Wars puppy pillow, typically just in a t-shirt. <laughs> That's what she meant earlier when she said so there was noise outside my closet. She is in a closet, I'm legit in a closet, guys. Like my, remember Rachel, the Instagram closet I shared? I'm in that closet. Yeah, with the storage tubs. Yeah, she's in. <laughs> So yeah. what I would like that's her professional for, workspace <laughs> for really Instagram. I need a picture of Rachel crouched down <laughs> with all her pillows like a little troll under the bridge. Literally, okay. So I, I'm sitting yeah. on R2D2. Um my microphone is sitting on a Blu-ray box on top of an Xbox cardboard box on top of my microphone box. So I just have you know a a tower of boxes as my microphone holder here. It's so professional, guys. Yeah, and if, if you're listening, if you if you subscribe and rate and review, maybe we could afford to get Rachel <laughs> on desk. <laughs> Please help us. Like, help Rachel get out of the closet. closet. Help us. We're it's poor. <laughs> help us, Helen. Um, she is magical and coming at you from a closet. So I feel like she's kind of like our very own Harry Potter. <laughs> you You know it. You know it. 
All right. I will, I'll just jump into my confession, which I was trying to think of what it should be um, while I was panic pacing around the kitchen moments before starting this call and realizing like there was no way I was going to be able to do all of the dishes. And also I accidentally haven't had dinner yet. So I guess I'm just going to eat that last sugar cookie over there. And that is my confession. I am a hot garbage pile. For the last easily week of my life, my nutrition has been like just embarrassing. I have no excuse to eat the way that I'm eating, which is pretty much like any one of my students thinks that they're going to eat when they're a grown up. You know, when you're a kid and you're like, I'm going to eat anything I want for dinner. I'm going to have cookies. I'm going to have nachos. Last night, I had what can only be described as a trough of nachos, family size serving of nachos for dinner. I didn't finish the whole thing. Okay, relax. However, did I need any of it, let alone the amount that I did manage to put away? Absolutely not. I have had at least uh, a dozen sugar cookies over the course of this week and it is Wednesday. So somebody help me, pray for me, send me insulin. Like, I don't know. I don't know what my future is anymore. I live in um, like camp camping, sleeping apparel, and I eat garbage. And that is where I'm at right now. Well, I mean, I guess if you guys are going to go down this road, then I'll just kind of hop on board. Um, So similarly, been a hot pile of garbage. I mean, if you saw my Instagram stories this week and my five jackets. really, really cold. (laughs) It's really cold. I, I just... I just kind of want to do like a segment on just like our, our fashion, you know, because I was actually thinking about it today and I was like, I need to like talk about this on confessions. Cause like, is there, if there's anyone out there who just like gets up and gets dressed, especially if you stay at home with your kids, if do you like do your hair and do your makeup? Cause if you do, like, I want to meet you and, and, and you can be my friend and help me. (laughs) Teach me your ways. (laughs) Teach me because, so I don't leave my house really ever. And I look like it. And so Megan's a a wormhole staying in. Yeah. So I, I just want to paint a picture of my outfit today. And this is like a normal situation that happens all the time. So I had, well, and I, I have it on now, but, you know, I have like a long sleeve sweater kind of thing. And I took off my other sweater. So I had a second sweater and it like goes down to my ankles. <laughs> so it's my house coat. I had some sweats that have like elastic around the um, the ankles with like thermal socks that are over yes. the sweatpants just to like keep them in place and just mm-hmm. like keeping all the juices. <laughs> okay. 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 Hold on. Juices. I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. What I want to talk about instead is you're wearing like the grandpa style sweatpants that you find yeah. just racks on racks of at like a Walmart and yeah, I'm, I'm with not the elastic done. legs, but you put the socks over, over the that? pants i'm cold guys like i I'm do just that too cold. i actually do that too why would you yeah, not well, pull the thermal sock up and then let the of the sweat pant leg well i'll tell you, you because i'm wearing my uggs that i've had since i was 16 <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i'm not the only one who wears my high school uggs. Those, yeah those things last forever really okay do. so i have those over and it tucks in my pants so that i can put on my um so that I can put on my my boots, my like I can't like, even do the math of how old these. I just want to point are. out that we are not recording in Siberia. We are actually in North Carolina, which is like, yeah, it was like sixty degrees. <laughs> right, so continue. You've got so many layers. Yeah, and so then we were outside, and I so like I have this like long, you know, sweater that I said like goes down to my ankles with my husband's like winter coat over top of it and I just look like I don't know I don't even know who to compare it to because it's it's embarrassing it's embarrassing for me to to see humans and I just want to know like by humans (laughs) (laughs) I'm embarrassed to see you (laughs) seriously that 
this yes. needs, this needs to be a thing. Like if you can we do a fashion home, show. Oh yeah, because uh, I got just, you. Be like, I got you. Be any day of the week. I'm. You're gonna still <laughs> when you after I have a baby. <laughs> someone's gonna take a picture of you, Megan, in this absurd outfit, and you're still gonna somehow look cute. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. am yeah. gonna look like. Dude, I don't even want to. I don't even. I'm did gonna I look get, cute I'm not gonna in say. my in my several jackets because <laughs> yes. you were the one. Yes, you did look cute. <laughs> you had every jacket unzipped to really the perfect cold. level of V. So you still, <laughs> yeah, is still. I've got my cute. life together. I like that. That's the standard now. Like if your zippers are aligned. Like you've got your life together. You, you are At on least point your zippers there. look aligned. Yeah, I don't even have that going for oh. me. That's, <laughs> no, no. My my jacket won't zip at the moment, so I'm gonna have to find a bigger one. Oh yeah, I'm at that point. See, you have an excuse, you know. It's well, like you're but, pregnant. Yeah, clothes don't fit. It doesn't you mean know? I look good when I'm not pregnant. <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. Well, again, like I said, I think that we need to do a fashion show, and also like, because I feel like this. Is this just us? We will go on social media and no. show you how embarrassing I was, we are. Yeah, I was going to say that, like, I feel like this is everyone, but then when I think about, like, is it? It's really not. You don't, <laughs> see, you don't see anybody else. And actually, even when I'm out and about with her in Chris's old jacket and, like, four layers of pants, my whole, I'll paint the picture. I'll show you. I'll show you for real. We will do this fashion show. I don't see anybody else out there that looks that bad. So, like... <laughs> Maybe it's just I was going to be like, we're being super relatable, but like, honest. maybe no. Do we even leave our house? I mean, I do Target I know. drive up I know. everything. Yeah, we get so much stuff just delivered it's to the house bad. at this point and hide behind the curtains while they're yes. dropping it off. Like, go away, go away. So I don't have to associate with anybody. Okay, well, are we good? Should <laughs> yeah, we wrap we're it up? Good. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, stay wild. <laughs> I totally almost read it. Sometimes Some kind of outro laugh. I almost read it. I almost read it. Oh, my God. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs>